It is April 7th, 2023. Before we begin the episode with Brian Case of the band Facts, just wanted to go down the line on a few things, a few announcements, and updates. The podcast. If you haven't already, please follow Microspy on Instagram at Microspy Music to keep up on the latest episodes and announcements. Also, if you wouldn't mind, please be sure to rate and review the pod. Might I even suggest sharing it with your friends on social media? It would really mean the world to me. In other news, my band Jerome's Dream is releasing a new record on May 5th entitled The Grain Between, out on Iodine Recordings and my label, Microspy Music. There are two songs off the record that are streaming everywhere, and you heard it first. We'll be releasing our third single on April 13th, so be on the lookout for that. In other JD news, we're touring this summer with the amazing Elizabeth Colorwheel. We're playing shows across the U.S., and tickets and show dates can be found at jeromesdreamforever.com tour. Okay, and lastly, uh, just a quick reflection on uh, this conversation, this episode. This was a great conversation with Brian. We had never met before, but I saw facts when they came through SF with Mets in 2020. My friend Jeff was already a fan, and when we went to see them, I quickly became a fan too. Fax has a new record out today entitled Still Life in Decay. It's an awesome record, it's an amazing piece of work, and I encourage you to check it out. You can also keep up with the band on Instagram at wearefax, F-A-C-S. Other than that, I hope you're doing well and that you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. All right, let's roll the tape. You're listening to Microspy, a podcast that takes a closer look at the lives and work of musicians and creatives I admire. My name is Eric Rattensperger. In this episode, I speak with Brian Case, singer and guitarist of the band Facts. Brian has long been involved in the underground music scene and has played roles in bands like 90 Day Men, The Ponies, and Disappears. Brian and I discuss the inherent need to create, the philosophy of DIY, the underground scene in Chicago in the 90s, the impact of the pandemic, the practice of restraint, and the release of Fax's new record, Still Life and Decay, which is officially out today. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Brian Case of Fax. November, December of 2021, it was still very much during the pandemic for us. We were having to do COVID tests every couple days and we were going across the border a lot into Canada and uh, 
yeah, we had to have these PCR tests done within 72 hours and all this crazy stuff. So it was, I felt very much in the, um, <laughs> in the middle of COVID during that. Yeah, it's kind of like this alternate reality, but trying to operate with some level of normalcy. And I think like being in a band, it's kind of like the worst situation to be in, right? Because it involves being in a room with a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, it was there's so many things that were like hard, like outside of being in the a room with lots of people, we were on tour with two bands. And if any one of those bands got COVID, the chance of the tour being canceled was very good. So yeah, it was really stressful. Everybody was far away from where they lived. Everyone was trying to be careful. Everyone was trying to have fun, <laughs> you know, which was also right, stressful. Yeah, Mets got their stuff stolen on like the second day of the tour. It was it was wild. There was a lot going on during all that. That was actually just outside of San Francisco, I think. I remember when that happened. Yeah, it's like they got on the road. I feel like a lot of bands around that time, their vans were getting broken into and their shit was getting stolen. And then, yeah, of course, that happened at the, at the top of that tour, I think. Yeah, I mean, um, everyone had like... I mean, everyone had been out of work, including thieves, <laughs> you know? <so. laughs> was that tour the first time fax went out since the pandemic started? So was that kind of like the first attempt to kind of getting back into some kind of rhythm with the band? Yes. And at that time, I mean, what was it feeling like in terms of, because, you know, you're so used to operating in a certain way, whether it's like going to rehearsals or writing together or whatever it is like like just normal interactions suddenly become like this heightened thing where it's like a whole production right how how did you guys do during that time and how did it affect the overall headspace for you personally well we were excited to finally get out and do something we had put out a record in 2020 and had a bunch of touring scheduled that we had to cancel which was really frustrating and then you know, we kind of just put our heads down and got back to work when we were able to and made another record, knowing it would come out in an uncertain time and if we would even be able to, you know, play any shows to support it. Someone was saying that, like, oh, yeah, like, you're, like, one of the bands that, like, made two records during a <laughs> pandemic or something like that. Yeah, that good idea. Um, so we just, uh, I mean, we were just, we couldn't do anything, and we were, like, well, we could sit here and mope about it, or we could just do what we would normally be doing, which is playing together. So we did that and just recorded, knowing that it was probably going to come out and the situation would be similar. But luckily, Mets and Preoccupations had this thing planned, and they asked us to come with them. And yeah, uh, so we cool. were able to get out, and it was, you know, really cathartic and great shows, and but still, like, a lot of uncertainty, and especially, like, our first kind of dip back into playing shows was a month-long tour across the country while, like, COVID right. was still happening, and that was... It's kind of traumatizing. Yeah, there was a lot. I mean, it was a tough tour and, you know, lots of ups and downs, but really, like, ultimately, every you know, we were happy we did it, and it was, you know, really helped us, was successful and all that, but... Uh, Even now, it's... I mean, we're we're not we're not out of the woods, per se, but it does feel... Even since that show um, that you guys played in SF, it has evolved, right? Like, I think the overall feeling and the idea of going to shows, while I still, I personally still have that kind of like, kind of get the fuck away from me type of feeling, you know, around people these days. Um, and I love going to shows, but I, I just still have this very kind of heightened sense of, you know, my proximity to people and all that. And, um, which is kind of a bummer, right? Because, you know, you go to shows to lose yourself and there's kind of this this sort of black cloud hanging over all of us with this idea of like, well, could tonight be the night that I get COVID or something like that, you know? Yeah, totally. It's a fucking drag. But yeah, I feel like we're slowly getting out of the the heaviness of it, I guess. It's almost like we're just like learning to live alongside it, I suppose, you know? I think so. I think it's becoming a part of people's lives and you know and it's unfortunate but also necessary like it's not going to go away it's you know will continue to evolve and people will have to decide what they're comfortable with and what yeah. makes sense for them and it's my opinion is not get on with it but my opinion right. is also like Same. we have to you know we can't stay inside forever we have to do what's best for us and we have to you know watch out for other people and 
So yeah, it's I don't know. You know, it's yeah. like I don't know. We're just gonna have to see. <laughs> <laughs> so so when you guys did present tense, how did this this kind of new landscape that we're all kind of processing like how did that affect the the process of making the record? Because I I. I presume that some of the writing definitely started before the shit hit the fan like like and like how did it how did it influence your approach once it kind of got into this new territory uh nothing started before the pandemic like oh wow so it was completely in the thick of it yeah because we had this record that we were getting ready there was a it came out in i guess march 20th or something that's almost a couple years ago like to the to the month yeah totally um so we had a record that we were waiting to go out and play, so we hadn't done a, a ton of writing. And then everybody was, you know, in lockdown, hard lockdown for like three or four months. So when it was safe, we went to our space and, you know, we set it, our practice space, and we set it up so that we were all opposite, you know, corners of the room from each other. We wore masks <laughs> while we played. and Yeah. It was the only thing any of us had to do. Like, so we just wrote a lot and just kind of, you know, I think everybody, I think we all really use like rehearsals and writing time as like a way to sort of escape daily life and to like process kind of the stressors and aspects of that that are, you know, that we're, you know, that everybody does. You know, our outlet for for dealing with that is music. And it was heavy because outside of how we normally deal with life we were dealing with this you know new situation that nobody quite understood and you know you're getting new information every day or you know all of a sudden there's two sides and like some people think it's happening and some people don't so we would spend a lot of practice just talking and you know trying to wrap our heads around what was up and then you know that definitely affected the writing just because how could it not you know about the origins of facts and you know your, your friends that you're playing with like i mean i i know you have such a long history of like a very prolific track record of just being in punk and, and like the music scene like you've just you've made so many records in your day and to fast forward to sort of this new era that you're in with this band how did facts come to be and tell me a little bit about the other members and sort of what compelled you guys to come together and when so jonathan noah and i were in a band called disappears with our friend damon that band had been around for almost a decade with jonathan damon and i noah kind of came in towards the end and we were getting ready to make a new record and damon decided that he didn't want to be in the band anymore he wanted to focus on some other stuff and he wanted to leave which you know we were all supportive of like it was you know it was time for him to move on so but Jonathan and Noah and I still wanted to play and we thought it might be a good opportunity to sort of refocus and maybe begin again so we changed the name of the band to Facts and we Damon was the bass player Jonathan and I both played guitar I switched to bass I was kind of ready to explore a new instrument so we you know, started as that iteration with the three of us. I was playing bass, Jonathan was playing guitar, and Noah playing drums. We did that for about a year. We made a record, and then Jonathan stepped away to kind of focus on some family stuff. 
And at that time, our friend Aliana joined the band. She was mm-hmm. a drummer. She had not played bass in a band before. <laughs> uh, so we, <laughs> but we loved her drumming and we were like, well, she knows how to play music. She has great ideas. She's very rhythmic. Let's put her on bass and I'll switch to guitar. Because at that point, I felt like I was ready to play guitar again. And I knew that. I could learn Jonathan's guitar parts and translate them into my style probably easier and quicker than we could expect mm-hmm. Aliana to pick that stuff up. So Aliana started playing bass. She played all the way through up until uh, basically about this time last year when she decided that she was leaving Chicago and was not going to do the band anymore, which was a bummer, but again, like we're all older and we understand how these things happen and why. Uh, right. So she split, and then Jonathan uh, approached it's us because like, he knew she was chairs. <laughs> yeah, and he was just like, hey, I'd, I'd love to come back if you guys will have me. So now Jonathan is back. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's playing bass, not guitar. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of a funny, like you said, musical chairs, and it is... Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I read in an interview about your guitar playing specifically where you kind of said, kind of know your own limits. And you, you talk about how the playing on these songs almost have an abstraction to them. And, and, it, and it totally makes sense to me because there is this kind of nuance to the guitar layers or the, or the textures that are, are put onto these songs that just kind of create this visceral feeling for me. Um, and you mentioned, you know, uh, your former bass player being, you know, super rhythmic and having, you know, she having been a drummer and all that. And I can't help but think, or yeah, I can't help but hear just how rhythmic Fax is as a band. Um, it's, it's very like just rhythmically driven. And then there's like this guitar, these guitar elements that add this kind of, it almost like gels everything together on top of this, you know, super heavy hitting uh, drums that almost have like a breakbeat sensibility. Thank um, you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and I love that. There's just, there's kind of like this grit and texture, and also with this kind of dreamy element. But with your playing, how do you, I mean, how do you approach your songwriting with that in mind? You know, when you know that you kind of have these aspects of this kind of dreamy like quality on top of these like kind of hard-hitting driving forward beats i look at my role in the band as really just like atmosphere and mood and texture like Mm -hmm. i try to sort of set a scene when we're starting things and i really just like to let uh noah and jonathan like take the or or aliana if we're talking about you know kind of where we've been just let them sort of feel it out and find out what works and what they hear like i try not to be too precious about like here's the verse here's the chorus i'm gonna guitar solo you know whatever like i try to just let let things kind of take shape and let the song just kind of come out and it makes it easier or i think it makes it better because then it's it's not me telling people what to do it's not somebody having an idea that isn't being realized or appreciated it's just you know we're just kind of setting you know setting the table and then seeing what happens I think limitations are almost more helpful in kind of deciding what you want to do or how things are going to happen than if you have unlimited options. It's like, you know, when I look at my phone and I'm trying to pick out something to listen to on a dog walk, it takes longer than the dog walk. I can't, I can't figure it out, you know, but like, yeah, if I go to like, if I'm on Apple Music or whatever, but then if I go to my band camp and I just look at the things I bought, you know, like it narrows it way down. It's not, I don't have every album ever made ever to choose from I have you know these like couple hundred or whatever things you know I just look at what did I buy in the last couple weeks you know and then just put something on I like I like limitations and not obstacles but like a framework or something you know like let's do something you know like I love when we get towards kind of towards the end of writing when we're getting close to making a record and it's like what don't we have you know like what does this album need that hasn't been written yet like that's always really fun like here's what we have what's it missing what's going to tie it together what's you know there's too many songs like this it needs something like this and then you know you're writing from the perspective of like what's necessary not like 
what about my song? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think that's such a that's such a rare way to approach songwriting. I think it takes um, you know, like a lot of well, I would say creative self awareness and like confidence and a level of uh, discipline, right? Because just to what you were saying about how you know this typical approach where it's like, okay, the guitar solo is gonna go here, and then like you know we're gonna put. Uh, whatever x x amount of this instrument on this part to kind of accentuate blah 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 but it's more like let's just see what comes out as a group and almost start with that level of restraint then listen to it and be like okay what can we do to accentuate this part where it's already been approached in a way where it's not overly dressed with whatever the thing might be you know because I feel like now that people do have all the options in the world and all the amount of tracks to to put on their their recording I think people have a tendency to go way overboard you know and when you start adding more shit in in a sort of maximalist type way it takes away from any impact the song might have totally you know yeah. So I can I can really appreciate that sort of level of uh, minimalism in a way. Thanks. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like to me, minimalism isn't always like about what you're not doing in your music. It's also about right. sort of how you approach what you are doing. You know, like even with like when we re- when we track records when we're recording, it's like we only record for like three days. You know, like we don't give yeah. ourselves weeks and weeks to like kind of labor over it. It's like in my opinion, we're capturing a mood, whether that's we've been rehearsing these songs and this is how they're going to sound on this day, or we're going in with half the material written and trying to figure out the other half while we're sort of in the spirit, you know, the moment. Yeah. So it's like, for me, it's, yeah, I mean, those limits, those, or those limitations and those, you know, ideas about being in the moment you know that's also it's you know that extends to the writing like i was saying earlier like it's not about i'm gonna come in here and show you how to play this song it's like what's gonna happen for the two hours we're in this room together like let's let's document that let's focus on that yeah i mean that's i think that's a rare thing to hear you know a, a musician take that approach where it is about capturing that moment it's it's about harnessing whatever the energy is in the in the room on on that given day and just making it happen, you know, not trying to like pack it all in. It's more like, okay, we're going to show up and we're going to set up and then we're going to play what we've got. Yeah. And this is, this is what it's going to be. Yeah. Have you taken that approach this whole time or was this, this, is this kind of a mindset that's evolved over the years playing music? Like, is this something that you you arrived to during facts or is this something that happened through disappears career or, or even further like 90 day men or ponies? Like how did you kind of come to this point of that type of awareness and how you wanted to approach creating songs? Um, well, 90 day men was, was very much like that because nobody really ever came in with music finished. Mm -hmm. Like somebody would have ideas kind of in a similar way, like talk about what we wanted to do before we, anyone would be like, here's my song, let's play it. Like, Mm -hmm. um, so I think that was like, it was like a collective effort, right? Yeah. 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 Nobody. I mean, that band I think sounded the way it did because it was just four completely different people making music together, which was, (laughs) which was fun. Uh, Ponies was, there were moments like that where we would walk into practice and, you know, just would, something would just kind of birth itself. But that band was also, you know, Gerald was really the singer guitar player. He, it was really kind of his, his thing. And Mm. he was bringing in ideas and would show people things. And I, I loved that because it was such a, I had not worked that way before for, you know, 90 Day Men was like around for like a decade so coming out of that and going into ponies was really refreshing to me to just sort of sit in the background a little bit more and sort of observe what was happening and learn how to like accompany people or like how to you know how to put myself into something without it being just about me or my part learning how to right. play with people in a different way disappears kind of went from that mindset of ponies the first disappears record i think most of those yeah. songs i kind of had the the skeletons for before we got the band up and rolling but by the time the second and third records rolled around it was 100 percent collaborative even if i'm 
bringing in little bits and pieces, the songs would change and, you know, everybody's opinion mattered. And then for facts, it's just been always like that. And that to me is how we've been able to be productive and, you know, be consistent is just by listening to each other and, you know, entertaining people's ideas. Let's talk about sort of the very beginnings of of your life as a musician and like how how it all came to be. You know, what what was your first exposure to music in general? And then what were what was like the pathway to underground culture, uh, you know, punk rock? Like just what were the first sort of points of entry for you uh, when you were younger? I was always really into music. Like I always I just loved it. It was ever since I was young, I would have, I would like bring, I would carry like cassettes in my pockets in case we went anywhere and there was no music, I would have music, you know? <laughs> like, I can relate. Yeah, like I have, you know, <laughs> memories of like dancing in the basement with the stereo on with my parents, you know, like just, it was always around. It was, I don't know, it just got me. So your parents were music lovers as well? The, yeah, but not like... They weren't, like, into collecting records or, like... They loved going to see live music. They, You know, the radio was always on in the car. We had a record player in the house. But, like, mm. it wasn't, like, a big part of every day. But it was a part of our life. You know, my, my parents encouraged my sister and I to play music, like, with piano and all that, you know, pretty typical, like, kid Did stuff. Did you take lessons? I took piano lessons until my teacher told my mom that uh, she should get me a guitar because piano was not going to be, huh. be the <laughs> the path forward for me if she wanted me to continue to play music. Uh, so I. So, so it's almost your piano teacher to thank. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, you know, sixth grade. I think I was in sixth grade when like, you know, Appetite for Destruction came out, and that was a huge wreck. I'd never heard anything like that. Like I thought it was amazing, and then. It wasn't long before someone gave me a tape. I got two tapes in seventh grade. One was uh, like Ozzy Osbourne tribute record to Randy Rhodes on one side, and the other side was Sex Pistols. And once I listened to the Sex Pistols side, I never listened to the Ozzy side again. Hearing Guns N' Roses and being like, wow, this is, I've never heard, you know, stories like this. I, you know, the music is you know, an extension of whatever, like Led Zeppelin, you know, rock music, Aerosmith, whatever. But the lyrics were just, those stories were crazy to me. And then hearing the Sex Pistols, it was kind of both. Like, I'd never heard a, a record recorded like that. Like, I'd, like, I noticed the recording, you know, like, yeah. the voice was crazy. Like, what he was saying, like, I had no idea what he was talking about. So I was fascinated by that. So there, there is just something about the the feel of the recording that you gravitated towards. Yeah, like it was not, it didn't sound right, and that to me was interesting. And uh, a few months later, this guy gave me a mixtape that his sister had made for him, and it had like Echo and the Bunny Man and Susie and the Banshees. And then I was like, "What the fuck? Like, I've never heard this. What is this?" Like was cool and then there was you know the community radio station that i found out about and would hear all sorts of stuff and then all ages club you know this is all like as i'm like 13 14 15 all ages club start playing in a band with some people heard fagazi you know like all these things that just sort of lead you to like the independent world you know you start you find this culture around record stores you find out that you can go there and meet people who are curious about music like you are and you know, the rabbit hole just begins. It's almost like uh, one one lily pad to the next. Yeah. And then, sud and then suddenly you find yourself um, just amongst uh, people who share the same kind of um, interest and passion for 
for this kind of attitude and frame of mind and sort of philosophy. Yeah, it was uh, so much more. It became so much more than music, you know. It was right, like like exactly. ethi- ethics and like life lessons and, you know, going to shows with like skinheads and, you know, you just like the culture around music and like the education that I got from that is, you know, I'm positive I learned more than I learned in school. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like an alternate master's degree in yeah. like, culture and like, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, I think a lot of us out there have that kind of similar timeline or, or trajectory in like being kind of led to this sort of alternate world of, of, I don't know if it's, if, if it's like like-minded kids, but more so just, uh, yeah, but like a, but a shared appreciation for this sort of thing that's not the norm, you know, it's almost like you felt like you were a part of this world that felt secret, you know, especially back then when, when the internet wasn't popping off and everyone had access to everything. It's, it was kind of like a, it almost felt like the secret that everyone had. Exactly. There was, yeah. And that's what really drew me towards going to shows when I was a kid. And like, like you said, a lot of it revolves around like record stores, you know, whether it's people hanging out there or if you're just kind of like picking through a crate and you see a record with packaging that like just intrigues you, you know, it's like a much more tactile thing back then versus, you know, just going down a rabbit hole on Spotify where you can like pick a band and then you could see the 12 to 20 bands adjacent to that one just with one click. You know? Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, just much more community driven. Like you couldn't, you couldn't buy all the records. So your friends right. would buy the records and you'd copy them for each other or, you know, someone would make you a mixtape or you would go to someone's house and listen to records together, you know, like it was, or, you you know, you drive around in the car listening to all the CDs you bought. However you did it, like it wasn't, you know, kind of like we've talked about a few times now, it wasn't taking your phone out of your pocket and having mm-hmm. access to all recorded music since exactly. the dawn of time. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Chicago proper, or where? where, where? In St. Louis, Missouri. So you were in St. Louis when when all this was kind of first starting to happen, and when when did you move to Chicago? I moved to Chicago when I was eighteen. Okay, so a few a few years later, you relocated to Chicago. What brought you there? Well, some people I had played in a band with in high school. And other some other people I was just friends with through that kind of scene. They had all moved to uh, Chicago a year before I did, and I wanted to leave St. Louis, and I also wanted to play music. So we just kind of hatched this plan that I would move there, and uh, when school was out, and we would start a band together again. And I was, like, applying for schools, and there were some schools in Chicago that I got accepted to, so I was like, well, this is this is my easy way to get there and kind of have a soft landing, and we can start this band and see what's up, so. What did you go to school for? Uh, nothing. <laughs> I went, <laughs> uh, I, went I wanted to, uh... <laughs> I went, I just went to school to go to school. So when I started, I was just sort of taking my, you know, basically just doing high school again, which is so pointless. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. by the time I figured out what I wanted to do, which was like, you know, graphic design, my school didn't really offer that. And it also it had a great art department, but design wasn't a part of their program yet. And because, uh, the school I went to was on trimesters for me to, to transfer to any of the excellent art schools in Chicago, I would have basically gone back a year, mm-hmm. which I was not willing to do. So I just pushed, okay. th- I just blasted through and like overloaded. I would, I was at, by this point, I was like taking semester trimesters off, I should say to go on tour. And then I'd come back and load up on classes and everything had was started. This is when 90 day men, that band was 90 day men. And that's when all this started, I would, you know, it was just focused on getting out of school. So I ended up with yeah. a fine arts degree. You know, Chicago is obviously known for so much music, so many amazing bands, uh, especially in the underground scene. When you first moved there, you know, you kind of just, just got in the mix. Like, paint a picture if you can of just like 
what it was like back then and the kind of bands you were seeing at shows, local shows. Um, you know, when I think Chicago, I, I think of like uh, Fireside Bowl. Oh my God, yeah, totally. But yeah, I mean, what was it like back then in terms of the bands you were kind of brushing elbows with and just kind of what what it felt like back then to be involved in this scene? So exciting. Like, we were starting a band. I was not living at home for the first time in my life, so there were no rules. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, <laughs> we were going out every night to see shows. Fireside was going. I lived around the corner from Lounge Jacks, and for some reason they took my shitty fake ID. Um, I mean, I would go there every, every night to see shows. Like, I saw so many shows there. What are some of the bands that you saw then that may have had, you know, a real impact on you? Well, I was seeing the bands that... Never, a lot of bands actually came through St. Louis. There was, there was a university there and a, lot, a couple of universities, and there were people who were bringing bands to town. So I wasn't, like, missing out entirely on you know seeing the bands that i wanted to but like at lounge acts like i you know polvo would play i didn't never saw polvo in st louis like you know i saw trench mouth in st louis but they played like once a month at lounge acts which was huge for me i love that band you know it was just like just so much more happening and you know at that time that was chicago mid 90s like right tortoise was happening like touch and go was really like catching this wave it was just so exciting like there was just so many things happening and you went to every show because you didn't know what you were gonna see like you were just gonna see something you didn't know what and it was you know i saw like the makeup play in a sewer in this club (laughs) like some weird i think it was called magnetroid i forget but they everyone stood around like this hole in the ground and they played in the in in the sewer like it was awesome I, like i was like what the hell is going on fuck man yeah yeah i mean it was stuff like that like lots of house parties like it was you know everything was exciting and that's partially because we were 18 and also because because there was something happening here you know and we felt like we yeah. were we didn't feel like we were a part of it but we were going to make ourselves a part of it Yeah, I mean, I think there's like that combination of both being younger, um, you know, it all feeling new and exciting, but also just the fact that nothing was nothing was blown out at that point. You know, it's like everything was so much more, I think, appreciated on a different level because of, you know, like to get back to the beginning of our conversation, how you're talking about with. Um, you know, recording, you know, where it's like you, you show up to be in the moment and to capture that moment. I feel like that kind of applies to the history of being around for a minute, experiencing shows and that whole aspect of, of this music without the veil of the internet and people on their fucking phones, you know, at every second of the day, it was just a much more concentrated feeling of, of, energy right because it was it was everyone just being in that moment and feeling like they were a part of something 
really special um, and not even really knowing why, you know, it's almost like, well, here we are. And it's just, you know, makeup's in a fucking sewer. This is awesome. You know, like it was like going out yeah. interacting with people, you know, like now what a concept. Yeah. Like now it's, you know, <laughs> it's, it all happens, you know, on a screen in front of your face. But at the time, like, I mean, I don't need, you know, like, I mean, just, do you remember like, just call like calling people's house and leaving messages or or oh, the yeah, phone yeah. ringing and just picking it up not knowing what was going to happen like i mean that was like it sounds so silly to like talk about that now but it was like it was such a different time like well it's weird because now calling someone out of the blue is almost like not rude but just people just don't answer their phones it's anymore. like an emergency it's like why are <laughs> right, you like, like, like if you're calling me it means something's wrong you know right. <laughs> yeah. What compels you to keep making music? What compels you to stay close to this whole idea of punk and, and being in bands and all that? What's what's your relationship with it right now? I figured out a way to be productive, which is important to me. And I, you know, continue to, like, want to express myself. And I don't, I don't think I, like, identify as a punk or whatever but i identify with it you know what i mean like it's totally yes i'm not like either everyone says this to you or has said this at some point or or you know you know i'm just like still 16 years old but like it's really hard to like to put into words how like affected i was by like fugazi or like you know these people like are like just DIY like doing it yourself like those feelings have like never left me about you know making decisions based on how you want to be treated like you know all these things I learned about how I try to like operate as an adult I learned through punk and through like that scene and the people that I interacted with through that and so it's like it's just ingrained in me and part of that is playing music even if it's for myself by myself alone like me sitting on the couch playing guitar like that's an extension of that as well you know me trying to like keep a band together of upper 40s almost 50 year old people (laughs) like try to have practice once a week because it's important to us you know and it's because we're all coming from this place where like music changed our lives so it's like i'm just trying to keep that going because if it's not there then you know, my head's gonna get fucked. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same. I, I've read that, that you know, um, and I admittedly haven't uh, read through sort of the lyrics of facts, but I know that it, it touches on uh, themes of isolation and, like, disconnection. Is there anything that you can kind of share about those themes and sort of how it's applying to your, I don't know, frame of mind? almost all the lyrics I've ever written are just me sort of trying to process like the world around me or what's going on. It's, it's just a way for me to like, like I have, I have kids, you know, it's like, I try to be positive with them, not like, you know, fully expose the horror that they're living in. Uh, yeah, yeah. so, you know, it's like, there's a lot of deflection for like day to day being like, we got to stay positive, we got to keep things moving, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, you know, those thoughts don't go away. The fear of, like, where this country is headed or, you know, when the bomb's going to go off, like, that, you know, I'm always thinking about that shit. And so I use music as a way to sort of wrap my head around that, channel those feelings, talk about it, you know, uh, orally express it. Like, that's not, like something I want to like carry with me all day or bring home you know or like talk to my kids about constantly you know so it's like I just uh, the lyrics are they're just kind of I just am constantly taking writing things down on like my you know notes app and like all of a sudden I'll just look at it all together and it'll either all make sense as you know something that's been written or little pieces here and there connect and make more sense and it's I try not to be too, like, precious about how it's coming out. I just let it come out, and then I just try to construct it in a way that makes sense to me. Yeah. 
Um, I know a lot of it's kind of vague or, you know, people can take what they want from it. It's not... Sometimes the words are just another, like, rhythmic accent to the music. Sometimes they mean more. Sometimes they're just... I just like the way they sound and it doesn't mean anything, you know? Yeah. I kind of like that that fluidity in approach, you know, where it's like, again, kind of getting back to that theme of what feels right within a song... I was actually dropping my girlfriend off her to her apartment this morning and I put on a couple of tracks just to be like, oh, you know, I'm going to be interviewing, uh, you know, Brian from Facts and like, check this out. Uh, this is one of their new tracks. And like, you know, I, and I was, but I was telling her, I'm like, yeah, like to me, this just sounds like a fuck you, you know, like, like the, the delivery of the vocals has such a fucking there's such an attitude and not even like an attitude that almost feels contrived. There's is the, the delivery is kind of like, just has this like, fuck you feel to it, which I love. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just such a, it's almost like this, like, even if, if the lyrics are abstract or if there's, if it's not a direct line, it just has this feeling that I feel like you're sort of, you're, you're kind of outlining right now, just in terms of the approach to like when, or what you choose to to write or say, it just kind of adds to that additional aspect. Like, you know, we were talking earlier about the guitars and how it's about creating atmosphere. It's like the the lyrics, which which I, what I love here, what I'm kind of putting together is that, you know, if you feel compelled to write something down in your notes app, just, you know, an idea or a line that comes to mind. And then when you're in the room and you're writing, it's like, okay, let's, let's kind of combine and see the see the result you know and then you kind of get this thing that just has the the energy you know that you're you're looking to kind of convey yeah i mean it's you know tension energy like yeah anger those those things are important those are things that we want in our music and that doesn't yes. mean it has to be aggressive it doesn't mean it has to be anything it can, it can be aggressive but for us that it, usually those feelings are are more subtle you know they're like yeah you come to Which those things as they like intense. they bu- you know those things build like they're not like it's not the explosion of like fuck you you know it's like the right right it's just like the culmination of things where it, they kind of you know it gets to that point and you're just like you know you're just like we always talk about music that's like simmering, you know, like it's, yeah. it's not like boiling over. It's not, it's not like, you know, you can't see it, but it's like, it's, the tension is like on the surface, you know, it's like, it's almost there. And that is, we try to operate at that level a lot, like where things are, they're really like heated and going, but they're not like, there's no release, you know, like the boil is the release. You see it all. It's like spilling over. Like we're not. We don't do that a lot. We kind of just sit on the edge, like right before that happens. You were saying when you make these songs, or or when when Facts as a group makes these songs together, everything just kind of has its place, and nothing is like getting in front of the other. It's almost like this this very steady, consistent wall of a feeling. Yeah. And and I like I said, there there's a confidence in that creative self awareness that you can really feel in these songs um and i think i think this is a perfect segue to kind of lead me into what is about to come out in april you know your your new record which i've been listening to well i've been listening to the the first single on repeat and then i just saw that slogan came out today is that correct yes which is also a fucking jam so when you i know you i'm so you know you sent me an advanced you know, copy or whatever, and I listened through to it. And for one, congratulations on this thing. Thank um, you. It's it's such a cohesive feeling piece of work, and I also think that's a very rare thing for records these days to feel like that. But again, it, it kind of like goes to the theme of this kind of simmering, and I feel like there's a simmering throughout this album. But I believe these two tracks are back to back, right? It's like when you say and then slogan. Yeah. So it's track two and track three, um, which I think is also kind of brilliant in terms of what you're deciding to share with people now. But I love how there there's there's a, a shared feeling, but slogan really kind of takes a different turn from a melodic standpoint. And like there's like these new 
elements that are introduced that that immediately kind of get me i don't know it just has like this i mean for for one melodically it's just so beautiful but um thank you but yeah so i'm gonna stop sort of praising you and putting you in an uncomfortable spot but what what can you tell me about this new album um so it's called still life and decay it's being released by trouble in mind records which you've been working with them since the beginning is that correct we have yeah Mm -hmm. so actually before we get into this record can you tell me a little bit about that relationship because that's that's really cool to see this kind of consistency of of you know a band working with a label and them supporting you guys putting out these records like how did that come to be well i had known bill and lisa just kind of from around town and from their they had a band that played for a great band called coco comas and they uh (laughs) they were awesome uh and bill worked at this record shop that used to be around that i would would frequent always had great taste always show me stuff their label was really cool so when we got going it was like Let's send the record to labels that we like, you know, that we buy records from. And Trouble in Mind was not, I think, anyone's first uh, guess as to a label that we would be on just based on the records they had put out. But and for us, they were exactly a lab- the label we wanted to be on because they were people who liked music and listened to music. And they had been in bands, they had been in a van, they had done tours, they know what it's like. And that's... I think very important, especially for a band like ours, who is, you know, you know, we're in our last act We're we're pretty old, you know, like <laughs> we're not like going to go on tour for six months straight. You know, we're not going to we know what works for us. And that that's not to say we're not uh, willing to get out of our comfort zone or like try new things. But we were very much like wanting to work with people who we felt like would understand us and so that was them and you know luckily they felt that way about us and we've had a really great relationship and i i love putting records out with them i love working with them they're they're just the best they're music fans and they they care about what they do and that's really important to us what makes this new album different from previous ones what what would you say is kind of the the differentiator is it something that you feel is kind of an evolution or do you see it as a continuation like how how would you kind of describe this album i see i see everything as a sort of like the evolution and continuation of what came before it like mm-hmm. a lot of times i find that when we make a new record if i look at the record before it there's usually a song on that record that sort of predicted what the next one would be and I feel like um, this one doesn't feel as much like that to me. Like, it, this one just kind of came out of a different space, and I can't really articulate what or how. But while we were writing the record, we were... Before we... When we were recording the record, I should say, we knew that Aliana wasn't going to be playing with us after that. So yeah. there was some tension because of that not like anger but just like you know when any relationship yeah when any relationship is changing or you know coming to an end in whatever state it's in it's you know everyone has questions or thoughts or feelings or whatever so that was a part of the of the session but we were getting along really well and we were all really proud of this music and we're really happy with the record so it was made with like love and understanding but also still those you know there's questions the back of your mind or there's you know like what's the reason for this or why is this this and so I feel like it was I feel like that kind of translated into the music like there is like a you know like a heavy sort of feeling there like this you know and the songs are really about relationships and like how they change and how they come together go apart which you know is kind of odd that by the time we got to recording them, our own relationships were changing. I don't know. I feel like, you know, some records just get like, you can, like we were talking about earlier, like kind of capturing what was in the room. Like, I just feel like this record really did that in a way that maybe some of the other ones, it's it wasn't as like personal or 
you know, it just it just did it in a different way that I think it's a little easier to pick up on that vibe. Even if you don't, if you aren't aware of what it is, it's still like, I feel like you notice something about the music that is outside of the music. Does that, yeah. I don't know yeah. if that's too abstract or... No, I, I think that makes sense. And it, it reminds me of, you know, when we were talking earlier about how you guys made this during the pandemic and almost gives this sort of added level of, you know, concentration, not concentrate, not like focus, but like concentration and sort of, um, you know, sort of like this collective yeah. intention mm-hmm. behind it, you know, it's where be- because the pandemic, it's such a fucked up landscape to make something like this within that everyone just had that kind of, sort of hyper focus maybe so when you when the time came to actually make it in the studio or or record it rather um maybe yeah maybe maybe the pandemic uh sort of contributed to that kind of feeling um of that sort of thing that you're saying that might not necessarily have been captured beforehand but it it's this well it, i mean again like anything it there's so many components as to why something sounds or feels the way it feels you know when it's made on any given day you know it's like like, all of the the elements at play that given day that you make it just kind of that's what it's weird because recordings i think do capture that aspect of things it's almost like this this like you can't you can't touch it you can't even necessarily hear it but you can kind of feel it for whatever reason and that's kind of like a weird thing, but it I think it totally exists, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I've listened to the record a couple times in a row so far, um, just kind of absorbing it as a, a full piece. And yeah, and I think you, I think you guys really captured something. I mean, you, you, you can, you know, as someone who made it, you can obviously, and just as you kind of did, define sort of what it was that you captured. But as a listener. It's just it's again it's 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 very rare to listen to you know six songs in this case in a row that just have this cohesive feeling from you know the start of play to the end of the record and you know I think a lot of people are going to get you know a real treat by discovering this and listening to it and um you know it's just uh yeah it's nice to see that you're still out there continuing to create you know i i think i think there you know there, there's there's a few of us left but there you know i think uh as you said you know it's kind of like the um sort of like the the, the final dance or what were you saying it's like we're we're like oh our last act <laughs> yeah, our, yeah. <laughs> i mean it's so depressing to think because i feel like there's still so much more to come from from you and from facts and you know but yeah there is that there is that kind of acknowledgement yeah totally like i don't mean like you know we're about to ride off into the sunset but it's like no of course (laughs) you know it's i mean facts are facts it's you know at some point it's going to be a lot harder to do this than it is right now and that's not really anybody's fault or for any reason other than it's just going to be you know like so we just try yeah so we just try to keep it positive and keep it productive and that reminds me of something I, i was going to touch on a few minutes ago um, with regard to sort of, you know, the way you're operating as a parent and, you know, that idea of trying to stay positive in kind of a fucked up world and knowing that as a parent raising a kid or two in a very kind of unpredictable landscape that we're operating within and obviously someone who's like aware of all this stuff and as, um, as someone who's kind of been involved in music that's you know ex- expressive and just it's just something that you need to do is, is ex- express through music and you're talking about these themes of just you know that that anger and that kind of like frustration and like the uh, all of the things my basically I'll get to the question is how are you doing with compartmentalizing these feelings you know because I feel like you know with this type of music you know, you kind of have to get into a particular headspace to write what you write and to make what you make. 
how do, how does that work within your sort of everyday life you know as someone who who's older but has you know you, you still need to create this thing that kind of exudes a particular feeling and energy when you're in your sort of parent mode is this something that's kind of like living alongside you or is it something that's kind of always there but you're just communicating in a different way with your kids or your partner or family or friends like how prevalent is this part of you in everyday life as as a creative oh it's uh, i mean it's always there it's never yeah. not it's just you know sometimes you're like <laughs> sometimes you're you're looking at the thing on the stove and sometimes you're looking at the person talking you know it's like <laughs> it's just too you know it's just kind of where what what time is it right now you know like and it's always yeah i mean they're all mixed up together that's why i think they're like you know they're i try to keep them separate so that i can try to pay attention to the situation i'm in and who's around me but there's always lots of overlap and you know i'm always you know staring at my phone to get an idea down before it goes away while trying to help my daughter with her homework or you know whatever it's just yeah. like it's always there yeah yeah it's always there i'm just trying to you know be as mindful as i can of the other things that are around me i feel like that's the uh the challenge as uh you know someone a little bit older who has you know m more life responsibilities on deck than say a 20 year old you know but you you kind of just you kind of just work with it. You keep moving forward. You keep answering the call. You keep, you know, cleaning up the kitchen. You keep going to bed and waking up. Like, it all, everything exists around you at all times. It's just like, you just have to figure out how to put things in order so that they can keep, like, <laughs> working. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of, of just, you know, pushing forward and all that, what's what's ahead for facts? you know, after the release of this record and of course you know we're talking about life responsibilities and all that but what are your plans for the band what's what's ahead i, I see that you do have a string of shows coming up is, is there anything you can kind of share with sort of the the longer term plan for the year um with with the new album yeah uh we just released basically like a east coast west coast dates today everything that we have kind of on the books for the most part in the states has been released we're working on a europe tour that'll be in the fall and i'm really hoping before the end of the year we record another record which i think is to <laughs> totally possible with where we're at now in terms of writing and where i think we'll be so i'm sure we'll do s some recording before the end of the year hopefully it'll be an album but uh We'll see. <laughs> a lot of times I try to just book, I'll just book it, <laughs> even if we're not ready. And then it's like, I also really like deadlines. So it's like, I booked the studio we have to finish. And then when it gets to that point and we're not finished, we go into recording. I'm like, we have to write two songs while we're here. <laughs> I think that, I mean, again, that, that kind of, as to the theme of just forward moving um i love where it where yeah. you you just you make it happen yeah it's it's not just like oh maybe we'll we'll get in the studio in a couple months it's more like no we're we're booked in a couple months yeah it's like don't so, don't be hung up on what you don't have be hung up on where you're at what you're doing you know like we've been in a band for a thousand years like we can <laughs> we can make something cool right now like i know we can do it you know 100 percent. and we're in a place where it can become even cooler because it's not just going to be you know we have access to all these other things that are here too it's not just our six hands you know what i mean so this is uh i mean i can't wait to see how people receive the record and this kind of just continued trajectory of the band and what you guys are making um yeah i have to say that like it's nice to see a band out there who is just doing the thing that they do with a certain level of, I don't know. It just, it just makes me happy to see that. And, and to also talk to you and to kind of learn more about you and your approach. It's, it's nice to see how this is all kind of 
it all makes sense that much more in terms of where you're taking this thing and, and how uh, there's really no signs of stopping. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, there's no plans to stop. <laughs>